Good morning, happy July 11th. <laughs> so good to see everybody. I feel like um, my throat had been hurting me for a while because, have you guys seen those big, um, I use them when I do yard work and stuff like that, they're like big construction headphones, have you guys seen them? And you can't hear anything with them on. And then I have this really cool set where you can't hear anything and then they also play music. So I was outside working and um, we got a pasture right behind us and whenever I mill, I let the dogs run around out there. They're like crazy bird dogs. And they jump in the cow's watering trough like every time. They just love to go and sit in the watering trough. It's like it's a hot tub or something, they love it. And they'll come back and they don't realize that they're soaking wet and they go to walk in our house. And I had these headphones on and they're maybe, I don't know, about 100 feet from me. And I went to say, Wrangler, Jolene, and I screamed so loud because I had these headphones on. I didn't realize it until after I screamed. And it's like I instantly just lost my voice. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how loud I screamed, but I'm pretty sure it was the loudest I've ever screamed in my life. And the dogs come like crawling to me, like with their tails between their legs. And I was like, I'm pretty sure our neighbors heard us like a mile away. Like that's how, so my voice was like, just getting back to normal. Allie got home that night and I was, and she's like, how are you doing? I was like, my voice hurts because I called the dogs too loud. <laughs> like I was just, I was screaming at them and she's like, okay. <laughs> she already thinks I like, I'm, I love our dogs, but for some reason, like every time she calls them, like they like flinch a little bit and she's like, do you hit them? I'm like, no, I swear. <laughs> like I don't, I promise. It always like they'll flinch a little bit if I get too close. Like they'll go to jump on us and they'll close their eyes at the same time, but not saying I don't, anyway. So good morning, happy July 11th, so glad to have you guys. Um, I have a super short title for you guys for my message. Are you ready? It is Fathers, Mentors, Disciples, Friends. Like I said, super short. So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about discipleship, but I also realized that there's a lot to it. Sometimes you will have a friend, a spiritual friend, but that doesn't mean that you're discipling them. Sometimes you'll be discipling someone, but that doesn't mean that you're their mentor. And sometimes you'll be mentoring someone, but that doesn't mean that they're your spiritual father. So there's like, there's new levels to this, all right? I wanted to play the song, you know, on a new level whenever I walked up, but worship team approved. So here we are. You guys can play it in your head on a new level. All right. So there's different levels to the whole discipleship thing. As you guys know, that was Jesus's last words, the great commission, go and create disciples. And I feel like a lot of people heard it as go and make Christians. But it's go and make disciples. We have to realize that salvation is important, but salvation is the wedding, not the marriage, all right? The wedding is just the first day. <laughs> Anyone that's been married can say that the wedding is just the first step. There's a whole lot to it afterwards, right? And a lot of times we create Christians, we get them, which it's important, don't hear me wrong, okay? We create Christians, we have the wedding, but then they have no idea how to be married. It's like, you know, we, um, I talked about it last week, we've been watching this um, show called Dal Dalton Abbey, however you say it. 
I still can't pronounce it, but I love the show. And it's crazy, you know, you won't even know that like these two people like each other. And then all of a sudden, like they're getting on one knee and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like these people had no trouble with commitment. Like, I don't know how they did it. 21st century couldn't handle it. But they meet them and they're like, oh, like you think they might ask him out on a date. It's like, nope, on one knee, getting married. And they don't even know the person. And a lot of times that's how we teach Christianity. Like we get them saved. I remember... Um, Never mind, I won't, yeah, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, there was somebody that I knew, <laughs> and um, they worked at a church that I don't know the name of, I really don't, and their chant before they went in was, um, get them under, get them wet, we haven't reached 300 yet. So they had to chant this before they went out, and their whole goal was to make sure that everyone reached 300 that year, like you have to get 300 people saved. And you know, that's why I've ministered to people and I've talked to people and it's like, hey, you know, you really need Jesus. Like you, you need to know Jesus. And they're like, oh, I tried that. And it's like, you might have gotten married, but then right after the ceremony, you went back to your house in Texas and your husband lives in Florida. Like, you know, like there's, there's a disconnect there. Like there's so much more to the marriage than just the wedding. And that's a lot of times what discipleship is. So if you guys have heard me speak a lot, you know the context of my heart. If you don't, I'm going to give you a quick little context. Are you ready? I always say if you want to be the light of the world, you got to go out in the world. Jesus was really good at befriending the world, all right? He, he sat down with the tax collectors, with the sinners. He loved people no matter what they did, all right? That's the context. I preach that all the time, all right? Now we're going to talk about discipleship. So if I say anything that offends you, refer back to the context. All right, here we go. All right, so we're going to read Proverbs 12, 26, all right? And it says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You see, it's different. <laughs> when you create friendships, you got to be careful, okay? The righteous choose their friends carefully. That doesn't mean that once you get saved, you huddle in your church and you don't talk to anybody. That means you're careful about who's influencing you. You're careful about who's pouring into you and who you are pouring into, all right? You've got to choose your friends carefully. A little bit farther on in chapter 22, it says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You guys have heard me say this many times, but if you take a slave and you put him in the palace, it won't take long before the slave turns the palace into a prison. If you take a king and you put him in a prison, it won't take long before he turns the prison into a palace. All right, Joseph is a great example of that. You see, the culture around you has to be weaker than the culture within you. Because when the culture around you is stronger than the culture within you, it will create the culture within you. Does that make sense? All right, so if your culture inside of you is stronger than the culture around you, you will influence the culture around you. 
But if the culture around you is stronger than the culture within you, it will influence the culture within you. All right, so we have to learn to influence people, but the right people. We have to choose our friends carefully. And I remember my first mentor, um, I call him the wise Albert Levings. If you're listening to this, Albert, I love you. Um, he's, he's literally like in his car with his hands over his head right now if he's <laughs> listening to this. But, um, you know, the first like encounter I had with him was actually at the camp that they're going to right now. And it was just, it was a weird time in my life. Like the Holy Spirit was really starting to speak to me in different ways. And for some reason, this guy was just, it was like he had a sign over his head. Like I was just so drawn to him. And I, you know, I was just some like, you know, weird kid like they are, you know, like <laughs> hormones and like sticking your finger in your nose. Like, I don't know. No offense, guys. Anyway, you know, I'm at this camp and like, here's one of the speakers, you know, there's like thousands of kids down there. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And like, I go up to this guy and I was like, hey, this is going to sound weird, but I'm just like really drawn to you. <laughs> Again, <laughs> he doesn't know me. This could be very weird, very weird conversation. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He said, listen, um, you've been like struggling with this thing in your mind. He said, I just want to tell you, um, God gave me a vision for you. And I think this is, this is what it, what it means. And, or not what it means. This was the vision that I had. And he said, I see you. And he said, I see a a home with a, a white fence around it. And he said, I see um, a girl with a microphone. And he said, and then I see this other thing. And he said, I don't know what the other thing is, but it's something that you really want. And God's just saying that he's happy to do it with you. And it was right in the time of when I was like about to propose to Allie. He didn't know Allie. Um, she sings, if you didn't know. She was the blonde one with the mic. He didn't know us or anything like that. And it was right in the time when I was like, should I propose to her now? Like, uh, you know, some people in my life were like, you're too young, you're too young, you know, got that a couple times. So it was like a very stressful time. And then I had this big desire to kind of do what I'm doing right now. And it was just, I think yesterday, I was sitting on the porch and I was looking at my house and I was thinking, wow, we have this white fence <laughs> around our house. You know, I'm married to this beautiful girl that has a microphone, and now we're, <laughs> she carries it around with her, you know? <laughs> I'm like, Allie, put it down. She's like, no, I got to hold on to it. So you saw it in the vision. But anyway, so, um, and that's kind of funny enough, like that is where my relationship started with this guy named Albert. If you know me very well, you know that he is actually the man that married Allie and I. He's actually the person that um, did our, my ordination service, and he's someone that I talk to almost every week. He's someone that I've had like crazy conversations with, poured my heart out to, and like the same way with him, you know, like he's called me before and he's been like, hey, what do you think about this? And we talk about it all the time. I'm like, do you realize like how our relationship started? And that's really, what discipleship is. It's pouring into somebody else. But you see, the way that discipleship starts is it starts as friends, okay? Sorry if this offends anyone's discipleship groups, but me personally and my personal experience, 
it doesn't really, in my, my past experiences, it's never worked where you do the whole, we got three guys, let's read a book and talk about the book, and then that's it. Like, there's no relationship. Like, the whole design was for there to be relationship. It starts as friends, and then before you know, it turns into something deeper. I remember that's what Albert, you know, I, I told him, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to, like, talk to you more. You know, like, I just told him I was drawn to him, and then I was like, I just want to talk to you more, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, he's like, it kind of takes a step back. He's like, oh, God, someone help me. You know, and he's like, well, let's just maybe talk on the phone and, and see what happens, see if, if we connect. Because you don't need to disciple someone that you don't connect with, all right? It's meant to be enjoyable, okay? You need to disciple people that you connect with, all right? There's a very wise man, I've heard very wise men say it, you should have someone above you and you should have someone under you at all times, all right? If you've been in the church for longer than a year, you should have someone under you, and you should absolutely have someone above you. If you've been in the church longer than a week, the goal is, I know it doesn't happen, and probably many people in this room could say, you know what, I've never had someone pouring into me. But the goal is you should always have someone pouring into you, and you should always be pouring in to someone else. Did you know that if you were to disciple two people a year, everybody, it would only take 30 years for the entire world to be discipled. <laughs> it would only take 30 years. We could do it in one generation if each person would disciple someone for two years. It would only take 30 years for the entire world to be discipled. Jesus said, go and make disciples. I believe people have gotten a bad name with Christianity because people have gone and made Christians and believe me, I was saved by the, you know, raise your hand, and that's how I was saved too. But a lot of people have that marriage, and then they go right back into their life. They don't have anyone that comes up to them <laughs> and goes, hey, do you have somebody? I'll be that person until you find someone else, if you connect with someone else better. I'll be that person. I'll connect with you. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, this is the boy Paul, if you guys don't know who wrote 1 Corinthians. This is the great Apostle Paul. Um, depending on what denomination you're from, you might call him St. Paul. It says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul goes, follow my example. You know, what we do a lot of the times, if John and I are going to go out to eat, and um, we're going to Sakura because God really blessed that place with great food. <laughs> what a lot of times Christianity will do is we'll look at John and we'll go, John, and he'll look at me and go, Corey, I don't know how to get to Sakura. And I'll say, well, you better get out your map and figure it out. You need to get acquainted with your map. Figure it out. No, I get in the car and I go, John, follow me. I've been there a bunch of times. Allie and I go all the time, you know? I had to open another line of credit just to pay Sakura, you know? Like, we go all the time. John, just follow me. And that's what Paul is doing right here is he's going, hey, guys, you're new believers. Follow me. I've been there 
before follow me. You see, we got to get really good at following certain people. Remember, choose your friends wisely. The righteous choose their friends wisely. Following people and turning around going, hey, I've been here before. Follow me. Because how many of you guys know if someone first gets saved and you hand them a Bible and you go, hey, this is what you need? I love, I just did a message on reading the Bible, right? So if I offend anybody, go back and listen to that message, whole message about reading the Bible. But we hand them the Bible and it's like, here you go. And they're like, this is boring. What am I supposed, supposed to do with this? And I read my Bible every day. So if you're offended, I probably read it more than you do. And they're like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they're like, they're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and then they sit it down, they have a marriage, they get married, but there's no real marriage. You need someone to go, hey, listen, I know this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you right now, but if you have any questions, call me. If you're confused about anything, if you're wondering about anything in life, call me. I've been there before. <laughs> I was right where you were. And that's why God chose someone like Paul. Do you guys know Paul's backstory? I know most of you do, but in case you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? So pretend it's your first time. All right, so Paul was this like great Pharisee, okay? He was this high-ranking Pharisee, and he knew the Bible really well. How many of you guys know if it was all about knowing your Bible, the Pharisees would have rocked, <laughs> you know? Like they would have been legit, all right? If it was all about just knowing your Bible, remember, just did a message on that, don't get offended. But if that's what it was all about, the Pharisees would have been awesome. And Paul was a high-ranking Pharisee, and to honor God in his heart, he thought the best way to honor God was to go around and kill anyone that professed as a Christian. And he would drag people out of their homes, women, children, men, he would drag them out of their homes and have them stoned to death. He stood there and held the coats as Stephen was stoned to death. I think that was one of the most, one of the most heartbreaking stories in the Bible to read about Stephen being stoned to death. And he goes, God, please don't hold it against them. And they stone him to death, and Paul was standing there holding the coats. This was the very man that had his life changed on the road to Damascus, all right? Okay, so let's read a little bit of that. So there's a little bit of backstory. We're going to read out of Acts 9. This is verse 26. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. All right, so this is Paul. He's been changed. So Paul killed people. He meets Jesus. He doesn't want to kill people anymore. He's changed, okay? Are we good? That's just the short version. I'm trying to keep it short, all right? So he tried to join the disciples. You guys know who they are. They're the 11 trying to fill the spot. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, say, but Barnabas. That's pretty good, guys. We'll work on it. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. Saul turned to Paul. There we go. Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So... Saul 
changed. He didn't want to kill people, but the disciples were scared of him. Even whenever he went to go see Ananias and God told Ananias, hey, I need you to go pray for Paul so he will be able to see. He was blind. God blinded him. You guys got to read the story if you don't know it. Sorry, I'm just jumping around. He was blind. He said, hey, go pray for Paul. And Ananias is this man of God. And he goes, I'm not praying for Paul. He kills people, you know? He's like, no way. Like, I'm scared to death of him. Everyone was scared of Paul because he had the, or Saul, he had the reputation of killing people. And all of a sudden, but Barnabas took a hold, certain versions say he took a hold of Saul. And for the next 13 years, Barnabas discipled, mentored, fathered, friended Saul. For the next 13 years, you hear an Acts that says, Barnabas and Saul went here. Barnabas and Saul taught here. Barnabas and Saul went there. And then they meet this warlock, and it's a little bit weird, and like, you know, Saul gets all this courage, and he casts, you know, blinds the warlock. You guys got to read it. It's a little bit interesting. And, um, you know, Paul was blinded. Saul was blinded. So he's like, I'll blind the warlock. It worked for me. It might work for him. So, you know, he blinded the guy. And all of a sudden, from that point forward, it's no longer Saul, also known as Paul. It's just Paul. And it switches to Paul and Barnabas. And for 13 years... Barnabas discipled Paul. And they went and they planted all of these churches. You know, this is when the New Testament church was rising, and they had this little guy with them named Mark. You guys might know the name. He was like 16, 17 at the time. And obviously, you know, they were killing people for planting churches. So Mark got like a little bit afraid and went back home for a season. And then when Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go out on another journey, Barnabas is like, hey, let's bring, let's bring Mark with us. And Paul, if you guys read his letters, obviously a great apostle, but he seems a little bit black and white. And he's like, no, like I am not traveling with the coward. Like he was scared. He went home. I am not traveling with a coward. And the argument gets kind of heated. And Paul goes, well, fine, I'll, I'll go my separate way. And Barnabas goes, okay, well, I'm going to take a hold. I'm going to take a hold of Mark now. So for 13 years, he discipled Paul. And all of a sudden, Paul takes Cephas, and he goes a different way, and Luke follows Cephas. That's why we hear about all their adventures in the book of Acts, and we kind of miss out a lot of what Mark and Barnabas did. But for the next 14 years, Barnabas takes a hold of Mark. And from that point, Mark goes on to write the gospel account of Mark. You see, if it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul might have never even been accepted into the group of the apostles. He might have never written 13 books of the New Testament and if Barnabas wouldn't have taken a hold of Mark, Mark probably would have never written the gospel account of Mark. So we would be missing 14 books of the New Testament without someone like Barnabas. And I would say that me, you, and almost every single person you know is just one Barnabas short of being a world changer. 
I would say you're just one Barnabas short of absolutely changing the world. But you and the people around you need somebody that's willing to get down and take a hold of them and go, hey, I will be your friend. <laughs> like, you know, we don't have to read the Bible every single day we talk, but if you have anything on your mind, please come to me. You know, every once in a while, you just get people on your mind. Every once in a while, you just get drawn to certain people. And God normally has a reason for it. I would be no one that I am today without the people that have poured into me. We've got to make sure that there's people behind us that we're pouring into. Okay, so... Um, Second story, sorry, the transition wasn't super smooth. Um, <laughs> 1 Samuel 22. All right. So this is 22, verse 2. It says, All those who were in distress or in debt or discounted gathered around him and became their commander. About 400 men were with them. Talk about just pulling something from the middle of a story, huh? All right, here we go. Sorry, guys, I got to jump in. Here we go. All right, so you guys know the story of David, all right? David was a giant killer. Everyone knows that. David killed giants, all right? So David was anointed to be king, and at that very time, Saul starts to chase and try to kill David, and he flees to the cave of Adullam. All right, so that's when he writes this verse, or that's when it's narrated about him, is he's hiding in the cave of Adullam. And it says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discounted gathered around him and became, he became their commander. About 400 men were with them. All right. How many of you guys know that, again, David killed giants? How many smooth stones did he take? Five. You guys are really reading up. I love how profound that five was. All right. <laughs> How many of you guys know why he took five smooth stones? It wasn't because he thought he was going to miss. It's because Goliath had four giant brothers. And he was just prepared in case the other four brothers came. He knew it was only going to take one stone to kill him. He was ready to kill all five. All right, he only had to use one because the other four brothers didn't get involved. All right, so here comes all these people that nobody else wanted. All right, everyone that's you know, just walking around, they're in debt, you know, back then debt followed you everywhere you went, went to your children, their children, their children, nobody wanted to marry into that family, you know, so here comes all these people to the cave, right before David prays, God, I'm so alone, I just need people around me, and then here comes these 400 men, I'm like, God, come on, dude, that's messed up, so here comes these 400 men, and um, other versions say David became their captain. You see, David is a giant killer. And just a few chapters later, the men that he's under become giant killers. These men go and kill the four brothers of Goliath. David is actually taken captive by one of the giants, and these men come in and they slaughter the other four giants. There's actually stories about one man with a spear killing thousands of men in one day on a battlefield. And in the last days of David, um, the Bible says these are the accounts of the last words of David. And a little bit lower, it says, and these are the 33 mighty men that served David. 
And the 33 mighty men that served David came from the 400 that were worthless and in debt. But you see, what happened was David was a giant killer. And the environment that he had within him, he reproduced around him. But you see, it doesn't, you know, the 400 didn't turn into giant killers. Sometimes the people that you invest in, not all of them are going to become giant killers. So that, that, does, that doesn't mean that you don't invest in all of them. Because at the end, he had 33 men that were known as mighty men. He had men that would run into snowy pits <laughs> And he would, they would rip lion's jaws open. He had men that could kill thousands of people on a battlefield. It's crazy the stories that David's men did. Unbelievable. I was just telling Allie this morning, I was like, please, God, someone make a movie about David. I'm not talking about some Christian budget film either. Like, I want it, <laughs> like, I want it legit, you know? Like, I want it so bad. Like, someone, please. And I'm like, it's going to, she's like, maybe a series. I'm like, it's going to take a lot. I was like, they're going to have to, you know, make some scenes interesting to make sure I'm still allowed to watch it because <laughs> that story is crazy. But I was like, oh, I just, that story is amazing. You see, David reproduced the environment that he had within him. And um, you guys can go ahead and come up. Um, I would recommend, if you're listening to this, and hopefully I made a strong case that discipleship is important, all right? How does it start? It starts with friendship. Okay, it starts with friendship. And me personally, just my experience, the relationships of discipleship, mentors, fathers, friends, whatever you want to call it, the relationships that last the longest are normally, the experiences that I've heard and everything like that, is normally the younger person asking, doesn't have to be age, I'm just so you guys understand, the younger person asking the older person, will you speak into my life? Will you disciple me? Will you just, you know, can we just hang out and kind of see what that happens? I'm not saying you have to be older to decide. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just figure of speech. That's normally how it goes. I've seen a lot of some relationships work out where the older person says, hey, you know, you know, follow me. But it normally happens from like the story I was telling where John goes, I don't know how to get there. And maybe some of you guys feel the same way. I don't know how to get there. Sometimes this book is really big and it can be confusing. Sometimes life seems horrible. I know there's a God, but I don't know how to make sense of all of it. Or maybe you just have a whole lot of emotions. I would say you need somebody that can look at you and go, hey, follow me. Follow me. We all need somebody that can look at you and go, follow me. That can look at you and go, I don't really care what you've done, what you've said, what you've done to anybody else. I'm going to love you unconditionally and I will never share anything you tell me. Remember, you have to choose your friends wisely. I want you guys to be able to have relationships where you can be transparent, where you can be pure, but don't do it too quick, all right? You gotta make sure you choose your friendships wisely. So I would say if that's you, I want you guys to start praying for somebody. Start praying for somebody. God, I need a father in my life. I know you're my heavenly father, but I need someone that will father me. 
I need somebody that will mentor me. I need someone that will disciple me. And once you start praying, I, don't put your standards too high, all right? If you think of someone that might have something to offer you, remember, it's all new levels to this. <laughs> all right, start with friendship. Hey, would you mind, I mean, don't feel pressured, but would you mind if we talked on the phone like once a month or something or just one time and see how it goes? I just, you're really wise and I would love to learn anything I can from you. Don't make it weird. Don't go up and go, I would like to take a hold of you as Barnabas took a hold of Paul. <laughs> you know, don't do that. That's weird, all right? Culture was different back then, all right? Just go up to someone and say, hey, I would love to be friends with you. Can I call you next week? <laughs> you're just really sticking out to me. This is something that's so worth praying for, guys. You look at the people that are world changers, I promise you there are 500 people in front of them and 10,000 people behind them. This is how it's meant to work. You're meant to make disciples of all nations, not disciples in nations, disciples of nations. That's the way it's meant to work. How many people have you left behind you in your life? What is your legacy? Because that's what matters. <laughs> How many people are behind you, running behind you, 33 mighty men? One man turned to 33 mighty men, but it took 400. What's your legacy? So I want us to take time. I want us to pray about it because I promise you guys, this is unlike anything that I can put into words. When someone pours into your life, <laughs> when you have somebody that you can call and you can go, hey, God's speaking to me like this and it doesn't make much sense. Can, can you tell me what it means? It's unlike anything that I can express to you. You need it if you're gonna go places. The marriage is just the first step. The wedding's just the first step. You have a whole marriage in front of you. All right, so let's stand. Again, I'm not trying to like pressure you, like you need a dad, <laughs> you know? But um, if this is something you want, I want you to take, to take a moment and to pray. God, will you point people out to me? They don't have to be some wise scholar. Friendships, choose your friends wisely because iron sharpens iron, but remember iron can also dull iron. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who is influencing you? That doesn't mean you don't go love on everybody, love on everybody, but choose your friends wisely. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Iron will always sharpen iron, but it will also dull it. So just ask God, God, will you send me somebody? Will you point somebody out? We have so many people just in this room that would love to help in any way. Clay, John, 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 three Johns here that just want to love on you. <laughs> You know, Caleb, myself, like, we just want friends. We're lonely people, guys. Come on. Like, we just want to know you. We want to be able to help in any way. If you need a need, if you have something, if you want to talk about something, you need a friend. Don't be weird. It's normal. Don't feel weird to go up to somebody after service and say, hey, would you mind if we talk sometime? Or if you're into that whole coffee thing, if you're like, hey, let's go get coffee sometime. It's cool. It's normal. Don't feel weird for talking to somebody. 
it will be one of the greatest decisions you make in your advance with your relationship with Jesus, I promise you. All right, so this is what we're gonna do. Like I said, if you don't wanna do this, check out, you're good to go, all right? <laughs> if, if this is something you want, I want you to take out your phone. I'm not gonna make you like do anything weird. Come on, take out your phone. And I want you to write someone's name in your notes, all right? Write someone's name in your notes, whoever it might be, anyone that's on your mind, anyone that's on your mind. Maybe it's somebody that, just someone you wanna create relationship with, all right? Again, not weird. I don't know if you want to like, feel like you're supposed to pour into them or maybe they're supposed to pour a little bit into you. Maybe it's a both way type of thing. That's cool too, <laughs> however you do. Um, write them in your, in your notes. And if you wanna be like above and beyond, are you ready? text the name to somebody, to your husband, to your wife, to, to somebody that will hold you accountable. And your job is to reach out to them at some point. Sometime this week, go, hey, you wanna hang out sometime? You want to go to eat or you wanna, you wanna talk on the phone sometime and just catch up? That is your job, all right? It is normal. It's normal. It's what Jesus intended. Go and create disciples. Go and create friendships. Go love on people. So if you have somebody close to you, text them the name. That way they will hold you accountable and say, hey, I need to reach out to this person. All right, and if you don't have somebody in mind, just pray about it. Just say, hey, God, I need somebody in my life. I need to be pouring into people and I need someone pouring into me. I promise you it is so worth it. All right, I'm gonna pray over you guys and um, then you guys can go eat. Don't follow us to Sakura. All right, so here we go. <laughs> Father, I just ask for a blessing in Jesus' name. I ask that you'll speak to people, that you'll give them names, God, that you will help these people, that you'll give them fathers, that you'll give them mothers, that you'll give them brothers and sisters and mentors and disciples, Father, that you'll give them friends. Father, you say that you take the lonely and you give them a family. I ask, will you take us and give us a family, Father? Will you surround us with people that we can love on? Will you surround us with people that can love on us? God, help us make disciples. Help us make friends, Jesus. And I ask that you'll just create interaction, that whatever names you put on people's minds, that you'll make sure that they meet up, that you'll make sure that they talk, that you'll create lasting interaction. And that people that haven't gotten a name, that you'll speak to them, that they'll dream about the person, that they'll think about them randomly. I just ask for a blessing, God, in Jesus' name.